Welcome to the Biz and Life Done Well podcast, where we explore what it means and what it takes to do business and life well. I'm your host, Peter Wilson. If you're like me, you're intrigued by stories of common people who have achieved uncommon success in business and life. Join me as I interview fascinating people about how they got started, their successes and failures, their habits and routines, and what inspires them. I have a very special guest this morning. It's uh, Don Kuntz, who's um, my uh, very good friend. He's also my brother-in-law and a client. (laughs) Keeping the family, man. Keeping the family. And uh, the reason I just wanted to kind of give a little preamble why I had Don on here, it's because uh, he really inspires me. He's been doing a a video YouTube channel here for a while, Mm -hmm. and uh, he's the one that's kind of encouraged me to... uh, you know, think about doing other forms of media, personal brand, uh, and just, um, you know, telling a story. And uh, the name of the podcast is Biz and Life Done Well, Business and Life Done Well. I like that. Don is a guy that I think really exemplifies uh, that. Thank you, Pete. So I'd like to um, really uh, kind of explore that idea, like what does it mean? What does business and life done well mean? Hmm. I look at you, hmm. I think about... Um, the success I see you have in your life and your business. Uh-huh. And I really, um, I think there's a lot of folks out there that might want to know a little more about you and kind of what makes you tick, what, what has inspired you and, you know, what are the types of things that have really, um, you know, led you to, uh, you know, be so, you know, at least, you know, successful, uh, in many aspects. I'm sure we all look at our lives and go, well, there's so much we can do better, but, <laughs> Like I'm just starting out, Pete. <laughs> exactly. So let's talk about first what does um, what does life done well? What does business done well mean to you? What you know? I'm just going to try this on for size here. This is like you know. What does what do life you, done well or business done well mean to me? Yes. Well, I've always, uh, well, not always, but. My big thing is, uh, I, in fact, I, I alluded to this at my at my parents' um, anniversary party, which I, you were there. I know you actually hosted the party. Great party, by the way. Um, so my kind of driving force is there's there's a parable. I'm a, I'm a Christian. Um, I've been raised in a Christian faith, and uh, it's been a tremendous influence in my life. And in the Christian uh, in the Christian Bible. There's uh, these parables uh, from that are attributed to Jesus, and one of the parables, one of my favorite parables, is a, is called the parable of the talents. And the parable of the talents basically is a master who gives these basically servants talents, which apparently in that day was a, a amount of money. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And he gave different people different amounts of money. And then he demanded a return on essentially his investment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the one person who he was not happy with was the person who just buried his talent because he didn't want to lose it. Right. He didn't want to take a risk. Right. Right. Gave the money back to the master 
And essentially he was punished for doing that. Mm -hmm. So I look at that in life. It's like, I believe the creator, God has given us all things. You know, some of us he's given, you know, like you, good looks too. Some, <laughs> this is this is a podcast. You can't see me. Yeah. He's a good looking guy. Uh, someone who's given, you know, athletic ability, smarts, whatever. So anyways, he's given us all a different package. Mm -hmm. And my belief is what he wants us to do is take that package and do something cool and creative with it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it could be being the best mom. You, mm -hmm. can be, you know, it could be that being this, this cool mom, whatever, uh, or a, right. owning a 7-Eleven, whatever. Anyway, so my point is that, that I look at my life and my business as kind of, it's kind of the same thing, mm -hmm. kind of two different sides of the same coin, you know. Basically, is you know, I want to provide for my family, mm -hmm. for my business. I want mm -hmm. to do a good service to my community. You know, I want to get a, give a good product. I want to have a great working environment for my for my employees. Mm -hmm. I want to beautify my corner, per, you know, the little corner that I'm on there. And uh, I just want to take these things and then just take what God's given me. And improve on it. Mm -hmm. Same thing with life, you know. Mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. Like try and and do interesting things. I I kind of have this picture of God up in heaven. He's looking down. He's looking up for thousands and millions of years. And you know, I think he gets kind of bored up there. Hmm. Okay. You thought about that? All right. No. Have not. No. It's the same old stuff. Yeah. Man. So I think sometimes well, I have I have this little I don't know where I heard this phrase, but kind of uh, this phrase: make God smile. Right. Okay. Do something in life, right? And God's like, "Hey, look at that guy Wilson down there, right? right. He's doing these audios. That's that's cool. He's trying right. to like do something outside the box, right? You know, he's, God's like, yeah, this is cool. I'm 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 liking like what this guy Wilson's doing, you right? Know? Right. So right. that's kind of my philosophy in life and in business is to do what I do. Do I've given the best I can. Make God smile. And lately, actually, through these through these podcast or through these little videos, I've been trying to do is try to be a good influence on. My kids, my mm -hmm. nieces and nephews, the next generation, you know, I try to inspire them yeah. if I can. Yeah. Or they yeah. can at least get a few laughs out of my feeble attempts. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but I, I, I enjoy what I do. I enjoy being a businessman. I, I, I really have, I've done it for about 26 years. I've actually really liked that aspect. I did not study business in college. I didn't think of myself as a businessman, but the more I've done it, the more I've liked it because it's it's kind of a creative thing, you know. It's mm -hmm. like this little, it's like this little life form almost of itself, and you kind of like, hmm, this worked. Let's, I mean, let's this double down on that, or this didn't right. work. Let's let's not do that. So it's this constantly evolving, creating thing. Of course, you're dealing with people, right, right. Which is another for for those of you that don't know, I failed to mention this, but uh, Don is a doctor. He's a, a, a dentist, DDS. So. Um, he's been a dentist for how many years? 26 years. 26 years. Uh, went to the University of Washington uh, School of Dentistry, Pepperdine undergrad. Mm -hmm. um, and what was your undergrad? Was it English? English. Or, English. Okay. Yeah. English lit. Which is obviously a very natural segue into dentistry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. Um, so, um, so you've been a dentist for um, 26 years. How long have you been married? Uh, just celebrated our 29th anniversary. Yeah, congrats! So we got we got awesome. married when I was in dental school. Still, okay. So. Wife Lisa. Wife Lisa. You've got four kids. Four children. Why don't we give them their names? Just so uh, Gabriella uh, is the oldest, and uh, she is 25. 
Um, Isabella is 19, Christian 17, and Sophia, our baby, is 15. Not a so, baby anymore. No, no. So I've been very blessed with both a wonderful wife and uh, <clears throat> four great kids. Awesome. Awesome. So one of the things that um, I really wanted to explore on this podcast was, um, you know, I want to try to go below the surface a little bit. You know, I mean, we can we can talk about, you know, sort of biographies and, you know, what people have done and that sort of thing. But I really want to understand more about like habits and routines mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um, things that uh, interest, uh, interest you. Like one of the things uh, that you can't see is Don is wearing his biking gear because he rode his uh, bike here, which is how far from, how far did you ride? Two blocks. No, uh, <laughs> it was, it's about seven or eight miles. Okay. Seven or eight miles. So how often do you get out on your bike and ride? Um, you know, truthfully, not often as, as I as I would like to. I used to ride my bike to work, which is about 14 miles. I've kind of gone out of the habit of that. But mm -hmm. I'll go on the weekends with some friends, and we'll go out for an hour and a half or so. Mm -hmm. So it's not, you know, it's mainly weekends these mm -hmm. days or, or during the during the Friday. I don't usually see patients on Fridays, so I'll go off on Fridays. But, um, yeah, I, I love biking. It's, it's very uh, easy on the knees. Mm -hmm. um, it's a great way to get around in the city. Right. Right. Yeah. You've been doing these kind of sort of, I wouldn't say extreme sports, but, um, you know, you've been doing a lot to stay in shape for quite a while. I mean, you're great shape. What, Thanks, what, Pete. what, what inspired you? Like, what was your journey? I mean, yeah, you know, yeah people yeah. have different journeys for their fitness and all yeah. that. What was your fitness journey? Yeah. Um, what was my fitness journey? Well, that's a good question. Um, well, I was a typical kid in the seventies. I, uh, Played a lot of sports, um, whatever season it was. I, you know, we played basketball, baseball, yeah, yeah. and uh, didn't really, um, you know, light it on fire from the day. <laughs> but uh, I had fun, and I, and in, in high school, I, I ran cross country and I played tennis, and then um, I think in college, I really, um, I really realized. Uh, one day or one season that that um, I got a lot of energy by running. Mm, okay. So I um, I think well of a certain amount of level. You know, I was never really hyper kid. I was kind of more in the the low energy spectrum. I could sit and read for hours a day. So I realized that when I went out and and ran, I got this surge of adrenaline. You know, and it, and it lasted for a few hours, and it was kind of like this this because I I could think better. Um, I communicated with people better. It was just like this. Wow, this is pretty cool. And I was I was fortunate. I learned it early on. I was like in my nineteen or twenty. Mm. So I've kind of used it. I, I so I'm like a person that you know a lot of folks out there they they hate physical fitness mm -hmm. because it's just it's sometimes it can be hard. Whereas me, I've always gotten this this energy from it. Mm -hmm. So it hasn't been an effort. Mm -hmm. You see mm -hmm. what I'm saying? It's been it's been a there's been a real cool payoff for me not right. even not i mean even if it's not good for you it just you know it's like a big shot of double espresso for me right so i you know early on I, I i was in college i would run um not very far then i then i got out of out of school and um my brother-in-law lisa's brother raymond um he was always into these um kind of more extreme sports and he got me doing some triathlons 
I did a few of those. Uh, not again, not very fast, but I got through them. Did you of, guys do an Ironman or? An yeah, Iron we did Man. Iron. What's called okay. Iron Distance. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That was a. It was pretty brutal. Okay. <laughs> survived. Survived. Finished, survived. Finished. Yeah. Lived to tell about it. Good. Um, and then since then, through life, I've just, I've just, through my adult life, I've just always um, tried to do it three or four, or five times a week, and it just is a really. Uh, like I said, a life-giving energy force for me. If I'm having a lousy day emotionally, I'll go out and exercise and I'll feel better. You know, right. I know if, if I've always, if, I, if I'm thinking about something, like if I'm, I used to think about writing a lot. I used to write some articles and I would go on a walk mm-hmm. and I would have these, these, it's like I'd sit, be sitting at a desk, couldn't think of anything, going to walk for three or four or five miles and have all these right. ideas. So for some, from some way in my life, my physical fitness stimulates my mental activity and uh, i don't know i'm not sure if that works for everybody but for me it helps so mainly it's just running and and cycling so do you have a routine i mean you know so it sounds like it's really it sounds like it's when you have an opportunity but do you have a specific routine that you try to follow every week you know it's it's funny because i'm wearing this fitbit now in which i think is a really see you're wearing one too yeah fitbit brotherhood um anyway it's to me, that's a really cool device because it, I'm a person who really responds well to uh, kind of challenges and you know checking off the box type deal. So my routine now is I lately I've been working, getting into work about nine o'clock, eight thirty. So I'll go out in the morning and jog for a bit. There's a gym I can work, I can walk to, lift a few weights, just to do some upper body stuff. And um, then in the evenings, I'll go on a walk or run. So usually I'm trying to do, um, I mean, I typically I look at my Fitbit. I'm doing probably 60 to 90 minutes of activity, you know, activity. Yeah. And that could be walking. That could be right. jogging, whatever, you mm-hmm. know, how the Fitbit tracks that. But um, yep. yeah, so it's it's just basically trying to stay busy. And I find myself doing it. Almost every day, hmm. you know, some sort of exercise. Well, plus you're on your feet as a dentist, so you must, how many steps do you get a day? You must get a ton of steps. Yeah, um, not as much as you'd think because it's like, you know, I'll be sitting for 50 minutes, get up and walk for oh, right. 30 seconds. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, usually if, if I do my walk in the morning and, and or jog or whatever in the evening, it's probably about 15,000. Wow, that's pretty good. So, wow. not, you know, setting records, but... Right. I feel better. Right. Do you have any particular intellectual pursuits outside of work that you, um, you know, that you follow? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, I've always been a reader. I've always liked to read. Um, lately I've been watching, I'll watch uh, videos. Mm-hmm. I watch kind of. I'll get in these kicks, you know. I'll watch a lot of like uh, different, one of these business people, mm-hmm. um, marketing, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk, you know, Grant Cardone. Yep. Lately, I've been watching a lot from a guy named Russell Brunson. Okay. We've talked about, you know, the marketing yep. guy. Yeah. So, uh, and then a lot of these guys have written books too. Right. <laughs> They've all written books. Right. So I'll read their books. Um, I uh, 
kind of in the same vein of exercise. It's like I'll I'll notice myself getting like an emotional jolt by reading something or mm-hmm. by listening to a video. You know, okay. it's kind of like like on my way to work. That's, that's probably believe it or not, it's part of my my <clears throat> one of my favorite parts of the day. If I'm not, you know, if I'm driving, which I usually do, it's probably about a 20, 25 minute drive. And, um, and I'll usually try to listen to some motivational video, you know, uh, and it just kind of like exercise, it just kind of gives me that, that adrenaline, you mm-hmm. know, that, that natural just lifts your energy level. Yeah. Um, so as far as reading goes, um, yeah, I'll read a <clears throat> bunch of different books. Um, what am I reading now? There's a guy, oh, the guy that wrote the, um, he wrote a book about, what's his name? Camillo or something. Ted, he wrote about the Ted talks. Okay. And it's about, uh, kind of like telling your story. Okay. Okay. Kind of what we've talked about before, storytelling, yeah. you know, yeah. yeah. so much of, of basically how we've evolved, you know, sitting around the campfire. Mm-hmm. It's telling stories, right? You know, that's why our brain just really, I think, locks into that because we're kind of hardwired for that storytelling, right? And uh, I've had a, a lot of curiosity about about marketing, mm-hmm. um, frankly, because I know so little about it, right? And it's just it's just cool to see how how we're influenced. Um, marketing can be kind of a dirty word, right? You know, the whole. Madman, whatever advertising. Yeah. yeah. But to me, the way I look at marketing is if, if I've got something, either an idea, or a product, or a service that I believe strongly in, or a faith, you can market your faith. Sure. You know, that um, if I believe in that strongly, marketing is just letting other people know what I believe in, what I have to right. offer. So right. Telling my story. So, talking about books, what, um, you know, what's the top two or three books that you've you know. talking all time. Yeah. All time. Well, the way I kind of look at books, you know, you, you, you sit around and talking about different favorite books, movies, and I'm thinking, what are the, like my favorite movies are the ones that keep going back to, right. You know, I'll Caddyshack. Just, or <laughs> Caddyshack is good. It's probably not one of my top 10, but, um, I'm more of a cool hand Luke guy. Paul okay. Newman, Paul Newman. Yeah. Anyway, um, kind of the feel the same way with books. You know, what mm-hmm. books do I go back to and read on a consistent yeah. basis? Um, there's one book called The Alchemist yep. I really like. Yep. Um, kind of a fable. Uh, there's one book, of course, the, the the Bible. I read that. I, I'll go through phases in my life. I'll read more or less of it. Um, I read that consistently. Um, try to. Uh, there's a book called... Um, called bunkhouse logic oh love that book you read it yes there's a yeah. book called well there's a, a cd called the, the um strangest secret let's let's talk about bunkhouse logic for a moment so it's written by um he's the guy who's in uh, ferris bueller's day off isn't he the guy who's yes. bueller the famous line yeah 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 his name's ben stein ben stein right yeah yep. and uh, he was actually in the nixon cabinet Back in the okay early seventies, yeah, before that kind of fell apart. Got it. <laughs> so his acting was just uh, happenstance, almost. Yeah, he was. I think it was like a 
journalist or something. Anyway, he became a, a I think a speechwriter. And then okay. uh, this book was given to me by my mother when I was in college, back in the early '80s. When it was written, and I I think I read it once, and I tossed it aside, and I rediscovered it somehow. Kind of, you know, the, it was boxes of books. Yeah. Kind of yeah. Aside. I'll be back, you know, I don't know, 10 years ago. And it's just, uh, it's kind of this little allegory, but this cowboy on this trail, that's the bunkhouse part. But it's got a lot of really good, really good themes. And one of the themes is that you have, it's kind of like maybe the the cowboy goes into the the saloon or the whatever, the Mm -hmm. casino, and you, you can only win if you're sitting at the table. Right. Right, right, and that analogy has really borne out in my life. It's like when I play things safe in life. It's yeah, it's interesting. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's a fairly simple life, but you don't make these big leaps right. until you actually sit at the table, push your chips in, right? Try something, right? Beat a beat a podcast like you're doing, whatever. Sure, yeah, or whatever. Try something that yeah. you could fail at. People could laugh at you, whatever, but at least you're trying, at least you're taking a risk. Mm -hmm. And that theme I think is, is so important in life. And if that was, I wish I knew that earlier, you know, just try something. If it fails, so be it. But if, if it succeeds, you know, this whole other realm of possibilities opens. So that's great advice. And if you can find a copy of that book, uh, I think it's out of print now. But you it might could be. Mine's got this cover ripped off, and I, it's got you know all marked up with yeah. But it's, it's, I, it might be back in print. I don't know. I mean, you know, Amazon. Yeah. He's he's kind of a pre Tim Ferriss uh, uh, sort of uh, you know make the most of what you're doing. Don't be afraid to fail. You know exactly. Um, ask you have to ask. The universe isn't come to you and say right. hey, you know what we want right. you gonna. Put yourself out there's there. some there's some uh, um, let's say <laughs> um, there's some I think he has some dating tips in there for guys you <laughs> 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 make it rejected nine times yes ten times is magic exactly so get out there and ask ten times um, yeah no I, I I thought that was a good book too yeah. and I, and I like just the core advice and it was uh, pretty sound as well yeah so um, Let's talk about business a little bit. Talk about, so you've had, just tell us about your journey uh, through, now you're a dentist, you own your own practice, uh, very successful practice, but take us back to um, how you got started, because I recall when you got started, you were working for a dentist that owned the practice, perhaps, Mm -hmm. so so just kind of take us on that journey a little bit and kind of lessons learned along the way. Lessons learned along the way. Wow. Um, or just what was that journey like? You know. So you know. It's, yeah. It's it's interesting. It's. I feel like I've I've, I feel like I'm like I told before. I'm I really haven't done a whole lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I've got so much more that I could do or what I want to do. But um, yeah, I've 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 learned a few things along the way. I started off like Pete, like you said. Um, I worked for a guy, Doctor Sutter, for four years. I was basically running his practice. It was a satellite office up in South Everett, and um, the building, believe it or not, was a basically a converted, like a double-wide mobile home. Mm-hmm. You ain't going to lock doctor up to make it look like an office, but so it wasn't the best 
physical space, but um, it was a growing area. Mm-hmm. And I bought the practice in 96 from him. And I would say from 96 to um, about 2010, um, you know, I don't know. It didn't really do much as far as growing the practice. It was pretty much status quo. Um, didn't really didn't really know much about business. Like I said, I don't have really a business background. Um, I didn't, uh, yeah, just kind of like flatlined for 14 or so years. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of got into a situation where I saw my, my, my practice kind of, I think, dropping a bit. And I just had this feeling like I have to, have to do something about this building because this is the... This is what's really inhibiting me from from expanding my business. So this was like in 2010, 2011, which is, you know, at least up there was kind of when the the bad part of the economy really hit. Right. You know, um, there were days I had like two or three patients. And and what I did is I I made this decision to really push my all my chips in. Uh, I had bought that 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 land about uh, five years before knocked the building down, had to move away to a different location for about 15 months, rebuilt the building from scratch. I moved back in July of 2011. And, uh, and one thing about that, just looking at that is like kind of had this moment of, Oh my gosh, I've taken on a ton of debt. Right. My business is is not doing great. Yeah, I need to do something to pay this loan off, right? Right, <laughs> and support my family. So, right, that's one of those deals in life where it's like you know you you don't want to make foolish decisions, but you have to. I think for me, for my personality, in order to be creative and really do some interesting things, I have to have some pressure. So you have to take a little bit of a leap, is what exactly. you're exactly. Okay, I have to kind of put myself under some. I don't know. Uh, pressure is one word I, I know about it. So, yeah, there were a few sleepless nights there. But um, out of that, I ended up hiring you, I think. I don't know yep. what, what year did I hire you? 2011-ish. Yeah, because I figured I got to get some more patients in here. Um, started marketing, which a lot of dentists don't do. Um, started expanding my hours. Um, started, mm-hmm. uh, hired an associate to get myself. And, you know, just doing things that, that – I probably could have done before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just didn't have, never had the motivation to. Yeah. So, yeah. So um, that was July of 2011, and in the past seven years, we've we've grown about fourfold our business. Wow. Um, went from three or four employees to like 13. So uh, yeah, it's been a great it's been a great seven years or so. Um, frankly, it's been we've kind of outgrown our space. Right. So which. Sets up the next chapter. That's a good problem to have, I guess. Yeah. One of the um, things that I remember from that time of expansion and growth was there was some unintended consequences as well. Um, I think one of the things you found out is that not everybody on the team was ready for the journey. Yeah. Um, and uh, so it seems like you, you've, you know, over time you built up a team that really is, um, you know, ready to be part of the journey. So that's that that was from from my observation that was one of the things I learned was looking at yeah you know it's one thing to 
as a business owner to have this idea that you want to take the business somewhere, but um, you know, if people are happy doing what they're doing, that that may be a foreign concept to them, right? Yeah. So you, yeah. The other, the other issue, the other thing you think about is is um, I think I got a great staff right now, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. uh, but I think that the people that that I've attracted to work with me. Um, I'm not sure how I'd say this. It's like the more confident and the more uh, competent you become, mm-hmm. the better people you can attract to yourself. You attract better folks. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Pe- people that are more in line with where you're trying to go. Right. If I'm just uh, kind of status quo, people that are going to be attracted to that, they're just kind of the same mindset. Right. So, so what has that journey been like in terms of finding people? Because I know you have a fairly rigorous, um, you know, hiring, uh, you know, uh, practice now, I think, don't you guys do some 60 day, um, kind of pretty, pretty standard kind of 60. Yeah. Um, so what was the question? What's our, well, yeah. What, what have you kind of learned? Cause that's obviously evolved over time, right? You know what I've learned, Pete, is that, uh, one of the things I've learned is the person has to fit into the group. You got to get chemistry. Totally. Chemistry. You, you can kill the chemistry by one bad person. So right. I may think the person's okay, but if, if the group says thumbs down, then I'm not going to hire that person. Right. You know? Yeah. It's like, it has to be a good fit. It has to be a good heart. You know, it's, it's pretty much standard stuff. Great work ethic. Um, good people skills, mm-hmm. team player. Right. Um, we don't have any prima donnas. Mm-hmm. You know, no one's no one's saying I'm not going to do mm-hmm. that. You know, right. A lot of humility, mm-hmm. like hard work, humility, um, wanting to be part of something bigger than themselves. This um, uh, uh, Patrick Lencioni talks about that in his book on uh, uh, great team like putting together a great team. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the name of that particular book, but he has the three. He's uh, humble, hungry, and smart is what he talks about. So he wants folks that are humble, mm-hmm. hungry, right? you know, and smart. And by smart, he doesn't mean necessarily intellectually smart, but emotionally smart. Like they can yeah. actually, you know, they have some smo- social smarts. Yeah. They, they, they can yeah. understand cues from other people, yeah. what they're saying, and be empathetic to them. Yeah, that's that's right on. Um, have you read um, Tony Shea's book about no delivering mm-hmm. happiness? No, delivering happiness. Oh, that sounds. Is that the name of the book? You should read that. It's, okay. Is, you know who that guy is? No. Uh, Zappos. Oh, okay. Yeah. Your, your, yeah. your wife's read it. Yeah, I probably. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> you're thinking. Anyway, she was supposed to have read it. Anyway. Yeah, that's a great book. Uh, he's he's a really inspiring guy too. Um, great story. But he actually had, I think, his staff write out. What are the, some of the qualities that we want? In, oh, and they came a, up with this like list of ten, mm-hmm. ten attributes. Right. And one of them is a big one is humility. Right. So, yeah, it's um, yeah, you know, running a business. I'm sure you've found you've, you've you've got a successful business going. Um, it's like you kind of learn things along the way, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I I didn't take any. Business classes in school. Yeah. Didn't take any. Wish I would take an accounting and marketing and all that stuff. But <laughs> right. Kind of learned it in the school of hard knocks. But that's one of the things is um, 
man, what's the old saying about slow to hire, quick to fire? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You want to make sure you get the right people yep. on the bus. Yep. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah. That was uh, Jim Collins. The whole bus analogy as well. Yeah. Um, good to great. And you have to make. You know. You have to to keep people. And obviously, you get some real hot shots, and they're they're going on to something else too. You know. Right. You just gotta have to bless them on their ways. But right. In order, I think, to keep people, to keep quality people, you have to keep giving them opportunity to expand themselves. Mm-hmm. And, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. So, um, so you've you've got this successful practice. Um, what um, what just in general do you look for when you work with? Um, you know, I know you work with a lot of different vendors and that sort of thing. Do you have any particular sort of uh, just attitudes towards that? Or do you just kind of carry on the same approach you take towards um, hiring in terms of the vendors that you work with as well? Towards like, vendors? Yeah. Like how do you how do you pick the vendors that you work with? Um, that's a good question too. Um, you know, I, th- I think that um, in my mind, the best salespeople um, – deliver a great product at a fair price and they give great service. Mm-hmm. You know, sales intrigues me. I think if I wasn't a dentist, I might be in sales and mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not the most charismatic person, but I think that a successful salesperson, uh, you know, what's the old saying about under promises and over delivery, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. if you can deliver, right. Over deliver. Right. You're going to be successful. Right. Right. And a lot of it's just being organized, being hardworking. Right. Um, well, how about what you do? I mean, let's talk about that for a second. I mean, you're a dentist. I mean, that's that's got to be, um, you know, it's traditionally known as a very high-stress job. Mm-hmm. Um, I would agree. And, <laughs> and um, you know, it just takes a certain type of person to just, you know, hang in there and keep doing it year after year after year, you know. Um, but you guys have really built up an amazing following. Uh, you look at mm. your reviews online. Mm-hmm. You, you guys have you know hundreds of positive reviews. Mm-hmm. You guys have really um, built a great reputation uh, as the person who does the marketing for your practice. I mean, I really don't have to do a whole lot because you guys sit on a perfect corner and you guys have a great reputation. So it's you know it's kind of like the perfect storm for marketing. It's like we're gonna have to. Yeah, crank it up a little bit. (laughs) Right. But having said that, um, you know, you guys, uh, you obviously have a reputation for the way that you provide patient care. So what, what, what is your, you know, your secret to success with respect to, you know, your, just the, the practice, the reputation, how, what have you done to, Mm -hmm. to, to get there? What, What's the secret? Um, so, as I see it, um, well, first of all, I think any in any kind of business, especially dentistry, um, you have to be a reassuring figure. Okay. okay? Um, I think I've got a pretty good personality for it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm fairly even keel. I think for whatever reason I can I can explain things in very simplistic terms. I think mm-hmm. people don't like to hear a lot of jargon. 
right. want to hear things in everyday common lingo. Um, I think I can do that to people. I, I, um, I've been doing it for a while, so I have have some confidence in what I'm doing. Um, but I try to make it not about me. I'm talking about the patient. So it's almost like you have to... Um, well, so in some respects, it's like you're the guide, sort of, sort of the the story brand, yeah. Thought of you're the guide. It's the patient is the hero. Exactly, it's exactly what I want it to be. I want the, I want the patient to be the hero. I want me to be. You know, I tell my staff this. It says, "I'm not the boss. Mm-hmm. The patient's the boss." Right. You know, um, it's not about me. Mm-hmm. It's about them. Mm-hmm. And um, we're here to, to make this a good experience for them. Um, and um, I think with respect to our business, what, what I think that our niche is, and from here going forward, I really want to expand on this, is, is to me that there seems like there's two types of dental practices. Okay. There's kind of the smaller, what I call the boutique practice, where it's, maybe one dentist, um, one or two hygienists, you know, kind of a couple, kind of that really high touch feel mm-hmm. where you, you, you come in and you're the center of their attention. Mm-hmm. Um, the downside of that is usually have limited hours. You know, they work four days a week typically. Right. Um, there's one hygienist, one dentist. So if you don't click with them, you know, yeah. you don't, it doesn't, you don't have any other options. Sometimes very limited, limited services. Right. You know, and then the, uh, the other, Typical practices is the bigger corporate model where it's um, right. lots of chairs, uh, usually pretty good hours, you know, mm-hmm. extended hours, um, lots of different people. But it's almost like you're not, you don't get that high touch. It's a production line. Yeah. And you may see, you know, Dr. Jones today and then mm-hmm. come back next time he may be gone. You know, Susie, Dr. Susie Smith's in, right? Yeah. So, but I, I see North Creek Dental Care and going further as kind of that middle ground, kind of having the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. We want to have um, lots of services. We want to have great hours, um, different providers. And also we want to, those are the things kind of a bigger practice. We also want to have the kind of the high touch family feel of the smaller practice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... As we've grown, that's kind of what I've kind of tried to hit is that middle ground mm-hmm. between this very small boutique practice and the large corporate practice. Right. So you want to have the best of both worlds, basically. Yes, exactly. To be even better than either. Yeah, that's that's our goal. Right. Yeah. That's that's great. So what is your um, sort of philosophy of care? I know that... Um, you know, a lot of I read a lot of the repu, uh, the reviews, mm-hmm. and they seem to say that you know you're you're very uh, confident and but also give patients options. You know, so is there a particular philosophy that you have of care? Yeah. Well, I so um, I think my job as a dentist, if someone comes in, I need to tell them kind of what's wrong with their mouth. Okay. Right? Yeah. I mean, obviously sure. you see it, you diagnose something. Yeah. Okay. Peter, here's what's wrong with your, your mouth, A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. Here's how we're going to fix it. Here's how you can fix it. Right. right. Um, so that's first and foremost, what I need to do is, is see an issue and diagnose it, provide treatment. Um, but beyond that, um, dentistry is interesting and there are different, there are different 
to use a terrible term, there are different ways to skin a cat. Right, 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 right. And I think sometimes people get overwhelmed by going into a, a dental office and they're kind of got this sticker shock. It's like, well, every, every tooth in your mouth needs to be redone. And that may be the case. Mm-hmm. Um, what I try to do is is treat the, the most important thing first. You know, let's get rid of this decay that's almost in the nerve. Right. Um, and then say, hey, these are the other teeth that I think being worked on right now. Mm-hmm. These are the teeth that I think are needing some work in the next couple of years, just to give you a heads up. Yeah. If you want to do that now, great, let's do it. Right. But I don't want to overwhelm the patient, especially on the first appointment. Right. So what I'm looking for is a, a relationship. You know, I want this person to say, hey, you know what? Don Koontz and the, and the team there at North Free Dental Care, they're, gonna take, they're looking out for me. They're taking care of me. Um, I can trust them, mm-hmm. you know, and I always give the analogy of, of, of car repair. Right. I know nothing about cars. Right. Even though I worked in a gas station for, <laughs> <laughs> okay. I know how to pump gas. Anyway. Yeah. But I have to trust the mechanic to say, Hey, you know what? You know, your, your fuel pump is shot. You need this replaced. Right. And your radiator, yeah, it's got a, you know, it's got a few more miles to go. Mm-hmm. But I have to trust, you know, Joe, the mechanic to say, Okay, Joe, I want to do what needs to be done now. I want you to tell me what needs to be done in the next six months to the year. You mm-hmm. know, and feel good about that. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, I want to be that person for the people's mouth. You know, hey, you can trust you can trust Don Koontz. He'll do good work and he'll he's gonna, you know, give you a straight shot of what needs to be done. Right. Um a lot of folks have a lot of psychological issues about their mouth. You know, a lot of shame about it. Sure. So I try not to, and I tell my hygienist this too, it's like, even if the person is, is the worst brusher in the world, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. don't beat them up so much that right. they walk out of there feeling like about an inch tall, right. you know, right. say, hey, you know what, Mr. Jones, you're missing these areas, but you're actually, you're brushing this front tooth pretty well. Mm-hmm. Give them something to mm-hmm. feel good about, you know, and I've always used the analogy, if you can, you know, you can do the ideal dental treatment on them but if they don't come back in six months right are you actually doing them any good right 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 you have to make them feel you have to make a connection mm-hmm. a personal connection dentistry is different than a lot of different things people want to feel like they're taken care of they want to feel like they're not being shamed they want to feel like uh you know they, they, just, they just have to kind of preserve their psyche right so you have to keep them coming back right right and um, sometimes that, sometimes you're not going to do everything. I tell I tell my hygienist that sometimes there's that little piece of the calculus that you're not going to get. But guess what? They'll be there in six months or three months, whatever. Right. Right. And um, the main thing is is to you know do the work, mm-hmm. do the job, tell the person what needs to be done, but also give them enough self-esteem they're going to come back and see you next time. Right. That's so. that, that's important. Well, and one of the things that I'm you know, especially with dental, one of the most important things is self-esteem and our smile. Yes. Right. So, talk about that a little bit. I know you've yeah. you've probably had some yeah yeah situations where you've done some work on somebody and then they're smiling for the first time in years and just yeah. in tears. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, and this is something I really want to going forward. I really want to emphasize this more in 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 my life and in my business and just in, in maybe future um, blog post or you know, video posts or the connection between 
a smile, dental health, and positive self-image. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you can make yourself feel better by smiling. Right. You know. Right. Um, people look at at your eyes and your teeth. Those are two things you look Interesting. at. Interesting. Okay. Not your shoes. <laughs> That's three. Number three. Um, I think it goes back to you know when we were you know cavemen. You know, it's like you can you can you can portray so many emotions through the right. smile. Right. Yeah. You know, if I don't know you, you're a stranger, and you smile at me, things are going okay. If you if you kind of frown at me or snarl at me, right, there might be a fight coming up. Right. 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 So. Um, I think people, you know, in an ideal world, maybe we shouldn't care what our teeth look like. Maybe we should smile regardless. But in our culture, in 2018, United States of America, Mm -hmm. people are kind of judged by their smiles. Right. Right or wrong. Right. So if you want to be a successful, you know, fill in the blank, whatever, salesman, teacher, movie star, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you need Mm -hmm. to have a good smile that, that looks good. That you feel confident with, right? That's healthy. Yeah, you know. I mean, this is not even talking about how the, your 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 oral health affects your general health, right? But just in the terms of psychological self image, having a good smile is huge. I've I've fixed smiles on people and they've changed their life. One lady in the left an abusive um, relationship. Wow. You know? So um, after she felt more confident enough, you know, to to get out of that, um, yeah, I've seen. You just kind of see someone's uh, self, you know, just just the the um, what am I trying to say the uh, countenance on their face, you know, mm-hmm. just have a a different look to them. Sure. When they feel like they're confident, their smile. Yeah. So that's that's a cool part about my job. That's interesting. So one of the things I know that you do um, is you're involved in. Um, you do a lot of uh, you know charity type work. Um, and, um, you know, we don't have to go into all the specifics of that, but I, what I wanted to know, there is, there is one event you do every year that, you know, I think it's worth mentioning. You do, uh, dentistry from the heart. So I do want to talk about that a little bit, but uh, the other thing I want to learn from you is just what, you know, why, why do the different charity things? Is it, and I know, you know, we're not here to toot your horn for doing all that, but um, what does it do for you? Hmm. Um, yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, like I mentioned before, I'm, I'm a Christian, and part of the Christian faith is, is uh, you know, helping the less fortunate amongst us. And, um, um, and just selfishly, it's like I, th- I think it um, – it bonds us together as a team, you know. As, as we do this, we do this event once a year, which is a free dental event. Um, so, so talk about that a little bit. It's a it's a day of free it's, dentistry. It's, a, it's actually a national program. Okay. Um, well, I forget the guy's name. Yeah. Do you remember I, his name? No. Dentistry Mon- from Monic- the heart. Monticelli or Monticello or okay. something. Okay. He started it back east, and what they do, they basically give you kind of the framework for this and okay. we, we advertise for it and we basically um we have probably 15 or 20 people working at the event once a year and we just open it up to free um dentistry um yeah and we've done probably how many years have we been doing this 
Five or six years. Five years. Yeah. Done over fifty or sixty thousand dollars. Easy. Kind of, yeah. And it's um yeah it's 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 a you know it's it's a hard day. I mean you're working all day, mm-hmm. um but it's really it's it's gives you a great feeling inside, feeling like you're you're helping out the less fortunate. Um, like I said, team building our team kind of gels with that. Um, yeah. Uh, patients seem to love it. Patients like it. You know, sometimes we've had relatives or friends of pa- our current patients that have, have utilized the service, and you know, of course, our patients appreciate it. So, um, yeah, it's something that I really look forward to every year, and it's um, I'm really grateful that my staff. You know, they don't get paid for it; they're volunteering. Right. So they all volunteer for that. Um, I know you do a lot of work for it too, so I appreciate that. A little, little bit. <laughs> Put up our sign every year and all that. A little bit. A little bit. Yeah. The other, thing the other thing I'm involved in is, is, is just to put a plug for this is the um, I'm on the board of the what's called the Puget Sound Christian Clinic, and we have a five uh, operatory dental clinic in um, the Community Life Center for Northwest Church in Linwood, and there it's more of a it's more of an ongoing dental care. It's not just emergency stuff, mm-hmm. and um, really cool work they're doing we just hired a new dentist dr hector leone who's doing a great job there great so um, cool so so the 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 role that sort of giving plays in your life um do you feel like that's you know kind of one of those things like um your fitness routine like is it just kind of part of your routine part of your habit i mean would you feel you know um any different let's say if you weren't i mean you you've kind of had a lifetime from what I've observed of, of giving. So do you feel like it's just part of what you do? And Yeah. And, and I, just to be honest with you, Pete, I mean, there's a lot of folks that give tons more. Than I oh, do, right, you know? right, right, right. Um, so I feel, you know, I feel like I could do a lot more, but I think that, um, you know, it, it goes back to the humility thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, why was I given two parents that right. loved me, gave me a great home. Some folks didn't have any parents. You know, right. I, I had three meals. We weren't rich by any means. We were comfortable. Right. I didn't lack for anything as far as physical things. I had, you know, I live in a great country. You mm-hmm. know, um, yeah. So you think back to kind of it's kind of a lottery. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're born. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I was dealt a really great hand. Yeah. So part of my, um, I think part of my responsibility is, uh, you know, helping those out that maybe have been dealt a, a worse hand mm-hmm. for who knows why. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not fair, right? Yeah. So yeah, it's it's and it's um, I don't know. It's it, the, the I think the more that you go on along in life, it's like well, it's great to have success. It's great to have X, Y, and Z. You know, but. What's really cool too is being able to say you help someone, mm-hmm. and be able to have someone say, you know what, and even even if it's just in part of your job, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying it doesn't sure. have to be a charitable thing, right? Yeah. If you if I can give someone or if someone comes into my office, has always had a fear of dentistry, yeah, has always hated their smile, yeah, and through myself and my staff, if we can turn that person around mm-hmm. to where it's a good experience now, yeah. Now they have a healthy mouth. They feel good about. It. It's like that's you know that, that there's been, and we've been paid for that. Yeah. There's been a tra- there's been sure. an exchange of of yeah. service for for money. Yeah. yeah. But I feel like I can help someone 
and and in some ways it's kind of the same continuum of mm-hmm. just you know the, the charitable stuff mm-hmm. you know some of it is bringing money in others it's yeah just yeah but in the end yeah. i think it's just you know it's it's trying to trying to be a decent person trying to uh you know, it sounds cliche, but you know, leaving the world a better, better place than you. Right. Found it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's been fun working with Dennis from the Heart, and um, like I said, it's it's been a really good. I'm really proud of my my staff. Right. Who inspires you? I guess is really what I'm trying to get to. Yeah. You know, I've always been. <clears throat> excuse me. I've always been really a sucker for 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 you know talking about story for people who have a great backstory. And have managed to really, uh, you know, take you know, take lemons and make lemonade. Right. You yeah. Know? Um, I mean, you're a guy. You know, you 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 didn't have the easiest. You your you know your parents went through a divorce, and they did, right. They were good people, but you know, you had sure. some some challenges. Challenges, and, yeah. and you've obviously done really well with your life. Um, I like reading about people. I like. There's a guy. Uh, you probably heard the name a lot, Les Schwab. Right. Yeah. You read his biography? tires? No. Uh-uh. I got. It's great. Okay. He grew up um, in logging camp mm-hmm. in Prineville, Oregon. His dad was a raging alcoholic. Mm-hmm. His mom died when he was like ten. Jeez. He and his brother had to basically take care of his dad. Then he died when, when I think Les was about twelve. Yeah. And so he was based on his own from twelve on. Wow. Uh, started delivering papers. You know, three routes became. You know. I think he made, said he made more money than his principal did when he was <laughs> and then just started with this one little didn't know anything about tires and started with one little tire store and and uh and it's it's amazing and his company is like if you think about service mm-hmm. in the northwest mm-hmm. les Schwab you know if you've ever dealt with them yeah I mean, don't you agree oh yeah yeah they come out to you they run out to you how can I help you know yeah and they'll fix your they'll fix your flat for free so right I don't know. His his story is is really inspiring to me. Um, who else? Um, there's a guy named Steve Chandler who's uh, an author. He's got a great story. He's written. What's his story? Um, it's probably not as dramatic as Les Schwab's, but he you know had a fairly you know upper middle class childhood. Got really involved in in uh, drinking, I think, and drugs, and then just basically started decided he wanted to help people, mm-hmm. and um, kind of did the thing that uh, Dale Carnegie did, where he just knew someone that had a a restaurant or something that wasn't being used on one night, yeah, and just said, hey, what if I what if I used your your restaurant for a you know like a I think it was a goal-setting workshop. Okay. Put a bunch of flyers out, signs. Yeah. I think like one person came the first night. Right, yeah. <laughs> Free goal-setting workshop, yeah. right? Yeah. It's kind of like how many people are going to listen to this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you got to start, man. Yeah. So anyway, um, just kept doing the thing, mm-hmm. you know? And and if you ever listen to this guy's voice, it's like he does a lot of audio stuff, and he does not have a great voice. For, okay. So it's like I just love the guy's spirit, you know? Yeah. He's, He's been a great coach. He actually is is a, a mentor to other people, mm-hmm. other other coaches. Mm-hmm. So he coaches like other coaches. Yeah. Um, and uh, he wrote a book called um, "100 Ways to Motivate Yourself." 
which actually I found in a Federal Express FedEx office or FedEx okay. retail store one time. Yeah. Anyway, he's he, what I like about Steve is his um, basically what, what I the, the one thing I learned from Steve is the way you feel right now and the way that you relate to people and the way what you think of your personality. Mm-hmm. That's largely uh, a, f- a product of your early days, and you, if you know something about you don't like about yourself, you can yeah. change it. Yeah, you know, it's, it's That's the whole great. not being a victim. Right now, I know obviously a lot of the folks are, are born in certain what we talked about before. Yeah, but it's the whole mindset of you know what, I may be in a bad state state right now, but I don't have to stay here. Right, you know, right. I'm not a victim. Right. If I don't like something about my person, if I think I'm lazy, mm-hmm. nothing even in my DNA it says I'm lazy. Right. If I think I'm I'm introverted, mm-hmm. I can be I can put myself out there. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I, I just love the fact that he says that there's this avenue of change. If yeah. you don't like something about your life, guess what? You can change it. Yeah. Um so Steve Chandler's a guy that that I inspires me. Um some of the guys I alluded to earlier, you know, there's a guy named Grant Cardone, who's he's kind of comes off as this blustery guy, but he's he's got a great backstory. Um, his dad died young. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of people out there, especially with the whole YouTube, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Some of them are kind of posers, I think. You right. Know? You got to yeah. kind of get through that. But I think yeah. whoever, it's all individual. You know, yeah. you may find someone inspiring, and I don't. Well, um, you you gave me um, audio CD. Um, what was it called? The greatest secret. The strangest secret. The strangest That's the guy secret. too that inspires Earl Nightingale. Earl Nightingale. Yeah. yeah. He's and got tons, that is old school. He's got tons of stuff out there. He started off, I think, as a radio guy. He's like one of the original. Uh, and that that was originally a record album. Okay. You know, it was two sides. Yeah. You know. I so he's kind of like pre Tony Robbins. Yeah. Pre Jim Rohn. So I. So the way I've seen it. Um, uh, the, I've been turned on to kind of the history of, of what, for lack of a better term, self-improvement. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, there's a, I think it was a book written back in like early 1900s mm-hmm. called, I think it was called The Science of Getting World Rich okay. by Wilbur or something. Yeah. Now, uh, thinking, what's the guy's name? Think and Grow Rich, Nathaniel, um, or... Um, Napoleon Hill, you probably read that one. Yeah, I know which I I know the. So of the he book. Yeah. he used, from my understanding, he used the science of getting riches. So it went from the science of getting rich to think and grow rich. Yeah. To then Earl Nightingale kind of piggybacked on that, and then after that you had guys like um, Zig Ziglar. You've heard of him. Yep. You've had guys Love like Zig um, Tony Robbins, who's awesome. Yep. Obviously, you've Jim Rohn, who Jim was Rohn, who was Tony Robbins' inspiration. Mentor, yeah. Um, what was the the uh, the insurance guy's name? Anyway, he was a big. He was a big. Uh, actually, he was in Nixon's, Nixon's cabinet too. Yeah. So think and grow rich. The original 1937 classic. Yeah, Napoleon. Napoleon Hill. Hill. And what yep. he did is he interviewed like um, Carnegie, all those guys. Yeah. And he basically, Carnegie said, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to, he spent like 30 years interviewing this guy. And he said, I'm giving this information. I want you to disseminate it. Because Carnegie is another great story. If you've read about him. Yeah. Poor guy from Scotland. 
Yeah. Started off as a just working on the trains and then learned how to do the Morse code. And mm-hmm. anyways, amazing story. But yeah, I, to me, I've always been like I said, I've always been about story. I love biographies. Mm-hmm. I get a lot of inspiration reading folks and kind of the I guess kind of the thinking is well, if they did it, how come I can't do it? Right. You know. So. Right. Right. Well, that's great. So, um, are there any um, younger folks in particular that just kind of inspire you? I mean, just, you know, I look at some of these kids and I'm just like, wow, these guys are... Who inspires you? <laughs> Who inspires me? You know, it's funny. I'm I'm inspired by all my nieces and nephews and my own kids. I am too. Uh, you know. your, your daughter inspires me, actually. She, yeah. I, I love the fact that she's... Uh, I mean, I wish I had her positive outlook and her energy when I was her age. Mm-hmm. You know, she's got some good skills as far as her, and she does these great videos. And uh, she's she actually gives me a lot of feed, positive feedback as far as my videos go. Mm-hmm. My kids mm-hmm. inspire me. Um, they're doing the they're doing the best they can with their lives. They're they're you know trying to do some vision casting. Mm-hmm. Here's where I want to be in ten years, twenty yeah. years. Wow. Um, we do a yearly. Um, we go out to dinner every year, usually around the end of the December, first of January. Do like a goal goal setting. Really, as a family or mm-hmm. individual goal setting or both? So we go out as a family. Yeah. And then we all know what's coming. Mm-hmm. We've been doing this for five or six years. Okay. So we all, one person's describe. Yeah. We all go out and say these are my goals for so like like this year and for December, twenty thousand we'll for two thousand nineteen. Okay. And and then we we usually like uh, someone writes them all down. Like say you have six gold, and we laminate them. Yeah, and you stick them on your your mirror. And it's just cool to look back. Really, hey, in, in two thousand sixteen, these are my goals. So you keep all of these. Yeah, of keep all of them. Um, I'd like to do it once a quarter. I think once a quarter yeah. would be cooler. Just to that's an amazing exercise. I I that's wow. Yeah, and, it's, and what's amazing, Pete, is it's like just the fact that you have a goal and you write it down. It's mm-hmm. amazing how many things actually come to fruition that happen yeah, yeah that's what they say because yeah. you've kind of your brain once you've once you've memorialized your goal like my goal of getting this podcast launched was um you know it's it a all long, comes from an idea yeah and it was it was a long time coming and uh it took a little creative motivation from uh, my daughter from you from yeah. others to uh finally make it happen so um, but it's one of those things. Once you put the idea out there, once you once you memorialize it, mm-hmm. it's amazing how you're so much more likely to make it happen. Right. Because right. because just because it's printed, like you're saying, and, and then laminating it. I mean, oh my gosh. <laughs> Ladies, then what you do is you stick it in your bathroom mirror. So every wow. every day, and what that what that does is that just reinforces that in your brain. Your brain every sees every day, and then yeah, we talked about. Earl Nightingale. Yeah. And one thing he says in that, in that strangest secret is you mm-hmm. take like a three by five card. Mm-hmm. One side you write down whatever it is you want to have happen. Yeah. And what I've done, in the flip side of it, you write down this this phrase. Uh, Seek and you shall find. Mm-hmm. Ask and you shall receive. Mm-hmm. Knock and the door will be open to you, which is the saying of Jesus of yeah. Nazareth. And what I do is I'll, I'll just, I, what I call it, the, the poor man's lemonade. I'll just take some of that packing tape. And, yeah. <laughs> and I carry that with me. It's money. If, 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 you, if you read both sides, so one side is ask, seek, not. Yeah. The other side is what your goal is. Yeah. And it's amazing how those things just, wow. So if I ran into you on a Tuesday 
And I said, Don, show me your card. <laughs> You'd be packing it. You know, I have it in my little folder right now. So okay. I could probably could show it to you. Yeah. I used to, I used to, you know, I've been periods of time when I'm, I've just kept it in my pocket. So, so what's an example of one thing you've done and that, you know, where that's really. One thing I've done um, is uh, about two years ago, I, um, I had five chairs in my, in my um, practice, practice, dental practice. So I have a building, and it's got five and, and five operatories. My thing was get to at least seven chairs. Okay, seven okay. operatories. Yeah, because it's it's a capacity thing. Yes, the more capacity you have, it's like any business. You know, mm-hmm. I need more capacity, mm-hmm. and uh, there was no way to expand my building. Um, basically, I was locked in by the amount of parking I have. So I said, I, I want to get to seven chairs. This mm-hmm. was a couple years ago to this. And I got to six chairs because I turned my personal office into an operatory. Right. So that's six. But, and so I kept thinking that, kept praying that, kept looking at that. And then one day, out of the blue, this friend of mine, my know, a friend of mine who's a real estate guy, said, why don't you make an offer on the building next to you? I'm like, no, nah, they're never. Because I've talked to this guy before. That, mm-hmm. And, and, um, they were never um, ready to sell. Yeah. So I said, sure. I don't think they're going to take anything, but I'll. And um, they accepted the offer. I bought the building this year, and am in plans to go from not six or seven, but to, to up to twelve operatories. Wow. So that's something that. Wow. That's like you know it hasn't happened yet because sure. I mean I bought the building but I haven't actually built it out yet. Right. But, um. Uh. You know, it's it's weird because you can like think of you can write something down like this. I don't, I can't visualize how this is going to happen. Right. But my belief is, if you write it down and you and you and you pray that and you live that and you mm-hmm. think about that, something's going to happen. Wheels mm-hmm. going to turn, and you're going to see opportunities you didn't see before. Mm-hmm. It's amazing mm-hmm. how that happens. Mm-hmm. You're, the one of the analogies I really like that goes back to the Jewish faith is, um, and I'm not even sure if this is historically accurate but to me it seems like the jews were the first person that came up with this analogy of god being a father mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. i mean some you know some other cultures have god being a, this angry whatever this, this king ruler deity yeah this, yeah. this um, what do you call it really uh punishing mm-hmm. and the jews had this concept of god being the father mm-hmm. right and they've actually called him abafi which is like, like a very like endearing term right like papa yeah and that um that to me has uh has been a huge thing in my life just thinking of god as you know as kind of like my own father you know, mm-hmm. when, I, when i'll have these questions in life i'll think about what should i do i'm at a crossroad mm-hmm. or you know what what i'll think well and i kind of haven't hear my dad's voice I think it's like the way I think is God talks to me or whoever, whatever, I'm getting these ideas and it comes in the mm-hmm. voice of my dad. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, well, kind of pretend to have a conversation with my dad, mm-hmm. you know, and he's always like, you know, let's do the right thing. You right. Know, you know, you kind of know what the thing to do, Don. Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> There's no way to BS it other ways. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I think my faith has just given me a real, uh, you know, just a kind of underlying bedrock, mm-hmm. you know, um, it's nothing earth shattering, right? Be a good person. Um, I married a woman who, um, had a great father too. 
a real man of faith, um, just a man of character, mm-hmm. you know, do the right thing, mm-hmm. even if it, you know, you know, cost you in the short run, you're going to benefit in the long run. Right. You know, and even, even with like your patients, you know, your, your businesses, you know, mm-hmm. you know, do right by the patient. Right. If you do right, if you make them happy, whatever, make it right. Right. Kind of the old Nordstrom philosophy. Here right. In Seattle, like, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Make the patient happy. If you make the patient yeah. happy, you're going to, you're going to do okay. You'll be here for the long run. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Got it. Cool. So, um, is there anything else you want to add? Anything you want to mention? You know, anything you want to uh, pitch? I'm just, I'm just really excited about this whole, you know, just seeing you do these podcasts inspires me. You know, mm, I want to get, I want to start doing more um, YouTube. I'm going to do up to a week. Wow. You know, and right on. Um, you know, kind of like you. It's like I don't know who's going to listen, but well, one thing I think you do. My kids might, but. <laughs> One thing I think we, you do in, in either a podcast or a, or, a, or a YouTube post is you you find your voice, right? Yeah, you know? and it's like they say, yeah. like this guy Russell Brunson, like he did like fifty of them before he really started finding figuring his voice. it out. Yeah, and then something happened. And what else is, is it's cool to get feedback from people. Yeah, hey, I like this. I wish you could do that more of. And it's right. this evolving thing. Right, and it just excites me that you're doing this. I'm going to do. It inspires me to do more. It's just like, where is this going to go? What's, right. How is this going to like impact the other? Maybe it won't at all. Right. The very least, though, it'll make me more confident in my message. Sure. And it will give me a better way of articulating my message. Right. Because uh, one thing it's like with me, with the way, with the way my mind works, sometimes I learn things by talking about them. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I don't know what, really what I believe, but if you ask me, then I'm like, yeah, I guess I, you know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. Certain things. Of course, yeah. Like you learn by actually verbalizing. Yes. I learn stuff about myself by yeah. actually verbalizing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm excited yeah. about the yeah. whole, um, I have this, yeah, one, one thing I'm going to plug here. I've, I've got this philosophy for the three rounds of life. Okay. Have I ever told you about this? No. Okay. And I'm, I'll, I'll elaborate for it in a future podcast, but it's basically there was a guy in that Everett, Washington, and he was a, a wrestler. Okay. And he was very successful. He went on to wrestle in college. I think he got second or third in the nation. But there was an article in the paper about him, Everett Herald, I think, and they said, "Well, what, what is, what's how come you're so successful? I mean, you're not the biggest guy. You're not the fastest guy. You're probably not the strongest guy." And yeah. He says, "Well, my philosophy is." is there's three rounds in a wrestling match. Mm-hmm. Okay. A lot of guys come out and try to just win it the first or even second round. Right. He's like, my philosophy is to be in such good shape. Yeah. You know, that by the third round, if I've survived, if you haven't gotten pinned, yeah. I'm going to be going great guns. You're going to be worn out. Right. That's what I'm going to win in the third round. Right. Okay. What do you do is he'd like, he'd like have a match somewhere from Marysville. He'd ride his bike home at night. Wow. He was just like this crazy yeah. uh, trainer. Yeah. And I think so much in life, it's like, you know, it's like we get caught up in, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work hard and retire at X age, 55, yeah. 60, 60. Yeah. And then it's like, I'm going to make it. You no, know, but it's like, to me, it's like if you can like prepare yourself and pace yourself and work, it's like the last round, you know, God willing, I mean, who knows, you get my bus when you're 40. Sure. If you make it to that third round of life, which is like, 65 to 85 let's call it yeah or 70 it's like that can be actually your most productive 
in terms of, of monetary, in terms of, of helping people. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Fulfilling, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, look at my mom. She's done so much in her last, her third round. Yeah. And um, that's kind of my goal is, is, to, is to structure my life so that I keep getting better, smarter, more productive, right. more uh, useful to other people. Right. Right. I don't want to just quit. I mean, maybe I'll do something different. So this time. is training basically right yeah, now. Maybe, You're maybe training just, for the third round. Exactly. I'm training, man. Uh, Warren Buffett didn't start making a lot of money until he was 52. Wow. If you look at his the chart of his net worth, yeah. It, after fifty two, it started to really ramp up. So, yeah. Our mindset is, you know, and I don't I don't have a job where I'm out breaking my back. I mean, it's tough on my body, but yeah, you know, it's like if I'm a drywall or something, yeah, my body shot at age right. fifty five yeah. or whatever. Yeah. But um, yeah, I want to keep my mind and my body mentally and physically sharp so that I can keep being productive. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I can, mm -hmm. you know, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon, right? Right. Exactly. And, um, yeah, but there's a lot of, and even it's like, I'll find myself like, what are the, you know, what did I do today? You know, I've got the traditional middle-class yeah. Christian guilt, you know? Yeah. <laughs> productive. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's like something Grant Cardone says. He's like doing fewer things has never solved many problems in my life. Mm hmm. You know, okay. being productive, staying busy. Yeah. Those have solved problems in my life. Right. You know? Right. So that's... It's a good one. That's what I like. So that's great. Well, that... So I, I'm still I, my I, second I, round. And I can't wait to hear more about this uh, in future podcasts. So we're going to have... Uh, we're going to have Dr. Kuntz on, Dr. Don, uh, a.k.a. Brother-in-law Don, uh, on a future podcast as well. And I just look forward to, uh, you know, seeing where the voice goes here with this podcast and uh, just... yeah you know, getting to know more about you and what makes you tick and you know, just yeah. what's up. Hey, I feel honored in being the first inaugural podcast. I'm sure there's going to be people much more successful, <laughs> interesting than me. At least I, I can. Well, play. you are very welcome. Don. First, so. Thank you. Thank what you for that. Thanks for listening to this episode of Biz and life done well with Peter Wilson. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google podcasts, Spotify, and most of the other popular podcast platforms. Please tell your friends about us and leave us a review so even more people will find out about us. Thanks again. We'll see you soon.